welcome back to 20s Toolkit Pod. Welcome back, guys. Oh, we've got. <laughs> we're all getting tied up in the equipment today. <laughs> today we've had Nikki, Nikki the lovely, lovely Nikki. Midwife. Yeah, she's so so lovely. We've been really excited to do this and finally have a guest on. Finally, yeah. And Nikki was amazing. She was amazing. So informative. Yeah. So calm. So if just, anyone wants yeah. to know about being a midwife, being birth, pregnant, pregnancy, what works, yeah. what what are old wives' tales? Yeah, we had some really fun questions. Yeah, very informative, and you don't necessarily have to be pregnant to enjoy it. No, I enjoyed it, and I'm definitely not pregnant. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we're really excited for you guys to listen. Yeah, and. Um, let us know what you think yeah and if you're pregnant and you found this helpful or if you want to get pregnant and you found this helpful or not then just let us know yeah and yeah that's it we hope you're all doing good yeah um i'm on my final stretch so this yeah. was very good timing for me libby's on the homeward run yeah. at the moment um i think by the time this comes out i'm gonna be like 38 weeks oh my god crazy it is crazy and i baby girl is really almost she's, here she's on en route yeah she's on route <laughs> well i hope so anyway yeah watch me come back at like 41 weeks like, <laughs> she's not coming out she's too comfy <laughs> she's still in there um but yeah thank you for listening guys thank you let us know what you thought and give nikki a follow yeah definitely she's got lots of helpful information mm. on there um and yeah she's just Really great. Really great. Yeah, Yeah. we loved it. Okay. We love Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, everyone. Enjoy, guys. So today we have the lovely Nikki joining us, a midwife, and you're at King's. I am, yes. Yeah. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience? Sure. So I've been a midwife uh, 10 years. Okay. Yeah, I know. Feels like a really long time. (laughs) Um, And I trained and worked initially in Manchester. Okay. uh, In the NHS. Yeah. And then moved out here six years ago. And I've been to a few hospitals here. Yeah. And now I'm at King's. Um, I also do uh, pre and postnatal personal training, pregnancy massage, and hypnobirthing. Okay. Um, And yeah, I guess my bread and butter is kind of the labour ward yeah and that's like my favourite yeah area oh do you find it stressful though I guess maybe it's quite different here to the UK it's very different it's hard not being autonomous yeah so like in the UK you wouldn't see a doctor yeah unless there was a problem yeah and midwives kind of do everything start to finish yeah and you have a bit of like continuity and then here it's very doctor led yeah so it's quite hard it was very hard at the start when I first came to kind of hold my tongue yeah <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about that the other day so I was thinking midwives do everything up to the baby being pushed out and then the doctor's like move out the way yes. I'll take this bit <laughs> <For the glory. laughs> yeah. and that's a bit out of order really well yeah but uh, that's kind of how it is here but it's still nice because you still get to do all that care yeah up until that point and then all the all the care after it yeah so you kind of get the best from the people that you like the, the patients that you have yeah instead of just nipping in the room yeah delivering yeah. baby and do you find it more enjoyable here delivering babies because of like I guess maybe less pressure like the NHS is under such pressure it's definitely less busy mm. yeah um, and it was busy six years ago when I left and I kind of had enough and I was like 
I just don't want to do this yeah. this way all the time. So I can't even imagine what it's like now, no, you yeah. know? Um, On average, how many babies do you deliver in a shift? We probably have like five or six okay. oh my God. each or no like on the ward on the ward oh right okay. yeah I was thinking god that's a lot of babies coming out <laughs> I mean it's because it's private healthcare so yeah. they're, they're you know smaller numbers and there's lots of hospitals true. here yeah 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 so people true. have got so much choice and yeah. they will like follow doctors if they move hospitals or yeah depends on your insurance coverage yeah. things like that yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah yeah and so do you get assigned a particular lady like at the start of your shift yeah, usually we will um, allocate staff to a patient yeah. um, at the start of the shift and then you stay with them until they give birth yeah. or until you So finish. if they're not really doing much, you could just sit around and do what you want, really. <laughs> that would be the dream, but there's always something to do. It's not, unfortunately, not like one born every minute where they yeah. have cake and tea all the time. Oh, that's why I shoot. Yes, it's all right. <laughs> Other than, like, the, the main delivery, what sort of other things fill up your time the most so um at the minute i'm actually on the postnatal ward right so um we know that mm, like postnatal care is like it's the cinderella service of maternity and that's when women need the most support because Mm -hmm. you end up here with a newborn and everyone's like oh my god what What do we do do? do? yeah Yeah. like what why is it why is why is my baby crying yeah what do i do like and so we're having um quite a lot of midwifery support up there now yeah and Things like just helping people feed, breastfeed, yeah. bottle feed, doesn't yeah. matter. Kind of helping them get to grips with like just handling a baby, you know, because if you've not really done that much before. Yeah. And um, doing some home visits. Yeah. Uh, oh, because okay. there's not a community midwifery service here. Yeah. In the UAE, really. Which there's is so different to the UK. So different because you, you can't really expect parents to go home and just get on with it, especially if they're expats. Yeah. Because you don't have that bigger family network that you would at home your mum isn't just around the corner or you know you haven't got a large friendship group who can easily just pop over like a lot of people go back to work very early yeah so a lot of kind of things like that um take up a lot of time and um doing sort of like I guess the more sad side is like the bereavement stuff Mm. and um I really like enjoy making that service the best it can be yeah. given the circumstances yeah. so we do a lot of training for that and, yeah um yeah I guess people like... I forget that part of it really yeah. it's not a part people like to think about and there yeah. is way more like ups and downs always yeah but you need to make sure everybody no matter what they go through they kind of have that support yeah especially sure. from a midwife yeah because yeah. we're usually able to lend a bit more of our time yeah towards yeah. that you know? yeah well, when I um, done my labour ward tour, it literally looked like a hotel in comparison to the NHS. Right. And I did go home for Christmas, and everyone was saying to me, oh, you're leaving it a bit late. And I was like, I've got my doctor's certificate. Like, I'm fine to be flying. Yeah. But by the end, I was like, okay, get me back to Dubai, please. <laughs> Let's not risk giving birth in the NHS. Yeah. Honestly, I went... Obviously, it was great, but... Yeah. When I first came here, I got literally off the plane, went to stay with my friends, and then the next day I started work. Yeah. And there was a grand piano in the oh reception and I was like <laughs> we're not in Manchester anymore no, it's very different it was wild <laughs> I can't believe it I was like where the hell have I come it's just so typical of Dubai isn't it like the, everything, everything is extra so extra yeah. yeah and like the VIP rooms that they have at King's like have a practically a living room yeah <laughs> which is just mad mad, mad. 
And yeah. like, if no. there's anywhere that you've got less people coming to the hospital to visit you, it's probably here in comparison to in the UK. Yeah. Or your family's there yeah. and they come like at intervals. Whereas here, it's just like, oh, like my mum's coming out, Charlie's here, and that's it really. No one else is really going to be coming yeah. to the hospital. You don't need a living room. No, no, exactly. <laughs> you um, might want a little mooch about. Yeah. On the sofa. Yeah, true. But the rooms themselves are so big and obviously all private anyway. Yeah. I can't imagine that, like, giving birth and then being put on a ward, like, with six with, like, other yeah, women. six other women. And, like, kind of having to be a bit quiet, but then you can't really be quiet because you just had a baby and yeah. the baby will be crying, so... That is one of the nicer things here. Yeah. It's, like, the, the luxury and the privacy of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So we have some questions from mm-hmm. our listeners, so we can go through them. One of the... Someone said, what food slash drink do you have to avoid when pregnant and also when breastfeeding so i usually advise that there's not lords that you have to avoid yeah so things like caffeine no more than 200 micrograms a day so that's like two cups of coffee yeah. you know like smaller cups of coffee um obviously we don't advise you have alcohol yeah um things that are like soft cheeses um, moldy cheese, things like that. Yeah, you can actually have things like um, camembert and brie as long as you put it in the oven and it's piping hot. You can actually yeah. still enjoy stuff like that. Yeah, um, cured meat like um, salami, prosciutto, things like that. Yeah, just because there's a chance of um, contamination. Yeah, um, and bacteria. So a lot of people are told to avoid that. Um, you can pretty much have anything as long as it's piping hot. Yeah, um, not too much tuna. There's a link kind of concern, I yeah. guess I could put it that way, um, to like levels of mercury and things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they say that in general anyway, don't they? They Not do, yeah. Much, you know? yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if you're having quite a balanced diet, yeah. I usually don't find any patients or any clients have to really cut that much yeah. out. Um, a lot of women miss sushi. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you can have, there's always like veggie sushi and things and if you know your sushi is being prepared yeah, yeah like it's how top it's, quality how yeah. it's stored is the main thing yeah so if you know it's stored like according to standard you could technically eat yeah. it yeah right. because like women, women in just, japan are still eating sushi right. but then they're preparing it in much different exactly yeah. yeah um so it's kind of just most women will kind of take a step back from certain foods just in case yeah, yeah. and if that's what makes you at ease then yeah. i would just recommend yeah. that but, when um, I first started looking, actually, it was like, wow, this is such a long list and like you worry about everything. But then you just kind of get used to it. I'm allergic to eggs and nuts anyway, so I have to think about mm-hmm. what I'm eating. Yeah. And it's kind of like similar to that, but obviously not life-threatening. But it's just like you just have to use your head, really, with like how things are. Like You yeah. can't have deli meats and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, the only thing was I went to Italy and I couldn't have any cured meats there or, or the burrata <laughs> yeah. and I had a pizza Aww. and I was like can you cook the prosciutto on there and he was like we don't do that in Italy and I was like but you've got to do it for me because it needs to be cooked yeah. do it for the baby okay? yeah <laughs> yeah just things like that um but I wouldn't otherwise I wouldn't worry that much um, yeah about what you're eating um as long as you keep it kind of relatively balanced yeah. and healthy get some fiber in yeah drink lots of water and then, so that's for during pregnancy, but mm-hmm. what about breastfeeding? Like, I don't understand about the whole, can you drink, can you not? So the latest guidance about breastfeeding and drinking is that we used to say to people, like, um, have a couple of, if you have a couple of drinks, you have to pump and dump. Okay. Right. But actually, 
what what we're saying now is yeah great pump before you go out but if you have a couple of glasses of prosecco yeah um then you can use like the online calculator that's on like the government website okay um to calculate how long it takes for that to leave your system yeah and then you can just breastfeed when yeah. that time has elapsed i guess the same yeah. as like driving or exactly something like that. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's kind of the the guidance that we yeah. give yeah. okay um caffeine again same as pregnancy mm. one to two cups yeah but don't um go over the top and some people say they'll eat certain things yeah um and their baby will kind of turn their nose up a bit yeah. at the breast milk or they'll become more gassy yeah that could be really different for every single woman and every yeah. single baby did yeah. you say you heard a story yeah i heard i don't i thought it was Libby that told me this but obviously it wasn't that someone had eaten a really spicy curry and then her breasts and then the baby didn't like it because it, it was like too spicy. The milk was too spicy. I mean, it, it can change. Maybe it can change the um, the taste. The taste. Yeah, yeah but it wouldn't be tangy. like spicy. But sometimes certain things can affect your breast milk, and yeah. if it changes the taste, and your baby's not having it, then yeah, yeah, then you the curries on the yeah, head for a while. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, that chicken tikka masala. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, does everyone poo in labour? Not everyone poos in labour. <laughs> Is it quite common? It's very common. Oh. Um, you some, just swipe it away. Yeah, quickly. you know, like we don't we don't tell anyone it's happening. You just yeah. wipe it away. <laughs> but what? It's because when the baby's head is descending into the pelvis and you push in. Yeah the baby's head puts pressure on your bowel and right. that just literally pushes everything out so you poo a little bit. Right. Um, it's usually a sign that you're pushing well. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, and usually when the head's nice and low, women are like, I need to poo. I really yeah. need to poo. And we're like, mm, maybe it's the baby. Yeah. Um, so it's always kind so of you're a like standing sign. by the toilet like, yeah. which one's which it going to one be? What am yeah. I catching here? <laughs> um, but yeah, more, a lot of women do, but yeah, we just um, clean it up and tell the dads not to say anything usually yeah yeah, yeah. i just think <laughs> it would her. be me that has tried like i don't know if i'm overdue and i've tried the spicy curry the castor or the all these crazy things <laughs> that give you the real shit <laughs> yeah and then it all decides to come out in labor yeah and it's not hard it's not solid <laughs> i mean i've seen that quite a few times <laughs> but um we don't really care yeah like it's just part do you know what i mean it's yeah. not like not as mortifying it's not mortifying to us at all. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Yeah. All those like labour inducing things, do you think they actually work or are they just old words? There's now? very little evidence okay. to prove that they work. But yeah. then we might just not have researched certain things enough. Mm. Um, a lot of people do use castor oil, mm. um, but we don't recommend it as midwives. Yeah. Just on a kind of general scale because there's not enough solid evidence behind it like yeah. gold standard evidence yeah. for us to say yeah go on and do it mm. um but i know a lot of people do use that it's actually very common kind the of smell of it in is this awful. area yeah i, I what, wouldn't want to drink do you any do with oil. the oil you drink, drink it, it. You drink oh it. i'm thinking like you rub it on the belly or something <laughs> <laughs> How How you you that, <laughs> oh, that would be easier yeah um, oh you have to drink it oh. yeah. yeah you drink it and then it can like irritate your uterus so it starts to oh. feel like contractions but then Basically, it also, gives you a bad stomach. Really. Yeah, it does, and it irritates your bowel, and then people. I I wouldn't want to poo myself into labour. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's how I feel. But um, yeah, some people have like a midwife's brew. Not really here oh, or in I the have UK, heard of that, but like actually. it's yeah, it's American. Kind of, it's very American. What's yeah, that then it's like castor oil in some, and a few other like little bits and bobs and herbs and this that oh, and the other. But blimey, um, 
a right potion. It is a bit of a potion. Yeah. yeah. Who was it? Someone, my friend told me that um, she's got a number of someone that is basically does a labour-inducing massage in Dubai. Oh. That's great. Can she come and work with us? Because <laughs> if massage-induced labour, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So like, there's um, apparently trigger points on yeah. your feet yeah. that um, so like traditional Chinese medicine that are like linked to the uterus and like yeah. stimulating contractions but that's kind of what you're told to avoid throughout the entire pregnancy I mean, aren't you really like for massage yeah it's I mean I when I do pregnancy massage I massage people's feet okay and it's nothing fine. ever happens yeah. yeah I think it's one of the things like it's like a membrane sweep yeah or um, things like that it's your body's probably already doing it yeah it's yeah. just something it's that on its way encourages it yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that would be interesting to see if yeah. she could in fact pop babies out with a yeah. massage but this is a thing though isn't it it could just be a coincidence on mm. timing just so many different things and then like being relaxed and exactly it's more likely to do with being relaxed it's like um like a placebo yeah you know like if you're relaxed your oxytocin will flow yeah and you'll actually be in like a bit of a nice happy safe comfortable space yeah we know that women are more likely to labor yeah when they have those kind of um that kind of environment yeah yeah well I won't be trying yeah, to move those. No. I've got a little while to go. Save your messages for, for afterwards. <laughs> this one might be a bit of a hard one for you to answer. Recommend a doctor and a hospital in Dubai. If you can't re- <laughs> recommend those exact things, then maybe some things that people should look out for whilst looking for a doctor and a yeah. hospital. Okay, yeah. So hospital first it's really important to figure out what your insurance coverage is and what your network is and what hospitals are included in that yeah there's a lot of like um facebook groups and stuff with like people giving their experience in the different hospitals um and kind of thinking about the the people that are going to look after you during yeah. labour so the midwives yeah so you want to kind of go I would tell everyone to just go on a few labour ward tours yeah meet the people like chat to them and like see if see what vibe you get from them yeah, yeah. and if I've you feel comfortable I've got a vibe when I done my one I'm not sure of yeah. the lady's name that showed me around but yeah as soon as I went in I was like this is really great and Charlie was asking questions so I was like okay I know that he feels comfortable yeah as well. and That's obviously what you super convenient because it's literally down the road yeah but always good to be nice yeah. and close isn't it um so that's what I would say, get like a vibe for the, the place. Some people will walk in somewhere and be like, nope. Yeah. And other yeah. people will be like, yeah, this is actually the one for me. Yeah. So, and it's, that's the luxury of private healthcare is that you kind of get to shop a little bit. Yeah. For what you want. With a doctor, with doctors, that's really difficult. Mm. Um, it depends on your history. So if you have a complicated history yeah um perhaps previous loss or struggling to get pregnant and it's been IVF or just any sort of underlying medical conditions Mm. um I would go and see more kind of um like a fetal medicine specialist you know someone who's a bit more um day-to-day looking after high-risk pregnancies yeah and there's a a few good ones around um but it also depends on what kind of birth that you think that you would like. Mm-hmm. If you have a rough idea of like, okay, when I think about my labor and my birth, I'm thinking about this particular situation. Yeah. 
And even though it's really difficult when you're quite early on to kind of figure out what that is, yeah. most people have an idea one way or the other. Yeah. Whether that, how that like then develops yeah. is different, but yeah. you need to kind of be able to ask your doctor, say you want a water birth, right? Yeah. So say you want that, you need to say like, okay, my ideal is if everything's going according to plan, I want to give birth in the water. Yeah. And a lot of them will say yes or no yeah you know like if if they're not happy with they, they don't provide that service yeah then mm. you need to go on and look for someone else who does yeah. yeah I didn't do any doctor research really and I kind of regret that a little bit I've had no problems with my doctor mm-hmm. at all but I, I was seeing a gynecologist before yeah. and I really loved her but I didn't want to give birth at that hospital yeah and so I just assumed I don't I don't know can you ask your doctor to come to a hospital of your choice they need to have um like DHA licensing to practice oh. in certain hospitals okay. and like privileges yeah they call it yeah um, I did see her once right at the beginning yeah but she never said anything to me and I just assumed that that wasn't an option so mm. then I just when I don't even know how I chose the doctor that I'm with now mm. really mm. um and I haven't had any problems but now we're coming to the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. of like birth plan preferences yeah. whatever um and she was she'd said to me like okay we're gonna start going through it in January because the labour ward is not the place to be arguing about it and so ever <laughs> since then I've been like <laughs> but I will be quite strong on what I would like yeah. I'm happy to be advised like medically of course yeah. this is not but so far I've had like a plain sailing pregnancy Brilliant. and mm. I haven't got any complications or I don't need to have a c-section the baby's head down like yeah um so I'm hoping that I can kind of have a preference on yeah, how of I course, give birth. Yeah. Um but now that is a little bit daunting because I haven't really got that relationship with her where she's like known me for years. Mm. And even like I don't know, I'm not really bothered about like the fluffiness of it. Like yeah. and, but some people that really like they do like to feel I don't know what the word is, that it's more personal to them. Yeah. But I'm not really bothered. As long as I know like that she's fine what the, Yeah, yeah, then it's fine. Um, but maybe I'll feel different when I'm in labour. <laughs> I think most women just want to feel listened to. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, um, I mean, yeah, you know, in a way she's right. You don't, there should be no arguing ever, to be honest. Yeah. That's kind of not the way we should be doing things. But, yeah. Um, there is always room for discussion, mm. whether it be in a, a doctor, doctor's office or on a labour ward. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't understand 100% what's being said yeah. or what they're suggesting, that and is absolutely the change. place to go, hang on, just hold your horses yeah. and tell me exactly what will happen if I do it, if I yeah. don't do it, and if I yeah. wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because um, I actually read a hypnobirthing book and they said about the brain method. Yes. I forgot what the actual breakdown is, but it's basically just evaluating what happens if I do this if I don't do yeah. it what are my options isn't it yeah exactly and that's how I definitely think that I'll be and after doing like a few antenatal classes with my boyfriend he has kind of got the same mm. thought as me um but yeah like now that's a little bit but I'm sure it'll be fine yeah it'll be fine and that's what your midwives are there for yeah like we're that kind of in between yeah between the doctor and you yeah we're kind of the ones who can be like right okay let's just give us some time and let her discuss this with her partner like I didn't even look into like her c-section rates or like what do you know what I mean and I've heard a lot about that since 
I've been pregnant but I think because it wasn't planned I mm. hadn't done a lot of research yeah. it was yeah. just kind of like I just went with it you'd and be hard I knew pushed that I to find to anyone's c-section to... rate truly really yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not it's very different to the UK where we a lot of the things that happen there um not really reported so yeah not in the same way and they're not as transparent as yeah. perhaps we, we would find them in the UK yeah. You know? yeah yeah because in the UK you can't just put a request into have a c-section can you they do elective caesareans for, oh. um, I think, I mean, maternal request, if you really want a C-section and, it's and what your reasoning is, is is there, then, yeah, yeah. you know, I think everybody should be allowed to make that choice, choice. as long as they understand everything that goes into that choice, yeah. you know, and they've been kind of, they've had that discussion, yeah. and if that's what people want. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then go for it. <laughs> I always used to say that I wanted a C-section, a lot of people do. And then I realised what it entails, and now I don't want it. It's serious abdominal surgery, it really. It is. It's, it? It, I think it's just because it's so common now, and people are just yeah. like, yeah, I had a C section. Yeah. yeah. That people f- maybe forget, like, it is massive abdominal well, actually, surgery. Yeah. But it, yeah. it is also life saving surgery. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So they're amazing when we need them. And if yeah. you've got a circumstance where, um, you know, waiting for labour or having an induction of labour is going to cause you more kind of um, stress and anxiety and potential kind of upset yeah. um, and compromise your mental health. Then, then there is always that yeah, option. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, because a lot of women do feel very anxious up to like going into labour. Yeah. But maybe that isn't, like you say, the best. Mm. And some people have way. like... Um, previous trauma or yeah. history that we don't know about or that they can be triggered by something so yeah, that's the fact true. that they can have an elective surgery and still yeah and then they can feel like they're almost in control of that yeah, yeah and that they've had the birth way of their want. birth yeah, yeah that's yeah. the birth they yeah. want yeah yeah because either way it's still your body your child 100%. your choice however you want always people into the world yeah. as long as everything's safe yeah well, I need to go through mine. I've actually got mine there that I need to start going through. <laughs> <laughs> Top tips for the dads slash birthing partners. Don't complain about how uncomfortable the chairs are. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually, I would recommend them. They can be in charge of kind of the comforts. Yeah. So with it talking about like um, snacks, food and drink. Yeah. Make sure they pack it for themselves, not just you. Yeah. Because they'll be, you'll be like just wanting to pick now and then at stuff, yeah. but they'll be the ones wanting to go down to Starbucks because they've forgotten to eat. Yeah. Um, and um, bringing pillows and things from home, things that have like got your smell on and okay. they're kind of comforting to you. Yeah. Massage. So especially during labour, um, they can be doing like counter pressure. They can be doing massage. They can be helping you with your breathing especially people that choose to hypnobirth yeah but even if you're not hypnobirthing just having them as like an anchor to say like okay just breathe in yeah Yeah. breathe out for five you know just having that kind of guide yeah um it's really useful having like dads birth partners if they when they know the person really well because they can be like something's different yeah because obviously when we see you we've only just met you usually so um it's really useful 
for the birth partners to be in the room and to kind of communicate with the midwife as well. Some women don't like to be touched during labor. They don't like to be spoken to. So yeah. actually having your birth partner there is a really good yeah. kind of advocate for you as well. Yeah. So mm. I would recommend that they actively take part in planning your birth with, yeah. with the birth plan. Yeah. And that they know what to say if yeah. you're like in your space and you're yeah. in your zone and you're yeah. going through a contraction. Yeah. You know, you want them to be able to go, just let her finish this and then we'll have the discussion. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and making sure that you, um, they have all the passports, Emirates IDs, but, yeah. you know, everything all you the need documents. for like the document side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my top tip is especially the first like kind of day 24 hours after baby's born mm. is to just like tag team that baby care okay yeah. yeah you know even though like you don't really want to let go of your baby yeah it's really good when you can kind of keep the baby for two three hours yeah Dad gets a rest yeah and then you switch over yeah there's no point having two sleep deprived parents there's not there? no if yeah. you can do it I yeah. mean most people will stay awake for the first 12 just staring at the baby and that's <laughs> fine that's what happens but um, kind of just allocating yourselves like yeah. some sleep time and then switching over yeah. yeah okay do you know what we went on an antenatal class the other day and they done a little quiz and it was like exactly the same questions but it was like one for mum one for dad and he had to answer it as if what he thought was best for me or that I would Mm. want and I obviously answered it for myself and we was quite aligned but it was a good exercise because then there was a few things I was like no I don't think I'd really want that or because like I want him there for comfort but at the same time like even like if I had bad period pains or something I just want to be left alone like so it's just like it's (laughs) yeah it's going to be difficult for him to be like okay do you want me to touch you or not (laughs) but I think things like that is good because then you can have a conversation about it before it might be totally different, obviously, when I come to it, but... Yeah, you don't know. But it's, yeah. it's hard for dads and birth partners because they can't do anything to help Yeah. outside of comfort measures. You know, it, a lot of them will be like, it was really hard to watch them in pain or watch them unsure yeah. or anxious yeah. because they can't take that for Either you. Way, yeah. And yeah. You know, and it's two people that they love, isn't it? Yeah. It's That's not so just true. one person. It's yeah. like you forget your wife that. and your baby. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's like it's like their whole world is in that bed or yeah. you know in the pool, and yeah. they're just kind of like <sighs> yeah on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that's. Really it feels scary. very real now for me. How do you know when it's time to go to the hospital for birth? So it depends on um, whether it's your first baby or subsequent baby. So. Usually, when it's your first baby, we say when you're having three contractions every 10 minutes over, the, over an hour. Yeah. And they're kind of regular, rhythmic, mm. and um, kind of uniform, um, then come in. Okay. If your waters break, usually they would, in this country, um, they advise you to come in for a check. Um at home a lot of the time people will ring up and will kind of take a history over the phone and say do you know what you're low risk everything's great stay yeah. at home till your yeah. contractions pick up yeah um but here in the ua they tell you to come in um or if you've got any kind of if you're tired if you've been having contractions for 12 hours 
and they're kind of sporadic and then they speed up and then they slow down and then um some women just come in when they've kind of just they're tired they've had enough yeah and they just they want to know what's going on and they just maybe needs like a slightly stronger painkiller just to let them get some sleep yeah and let them have a rest and then yeah i guess that's the pro of being in the uae really Mm -hmm. in private healthcare is that you don't really get turned away like sorry but there's other women absolutely yeah once you're in you're in and we don't really question why you've come in yeah to be honest we're just like okay you need to be here yeah you feel you need to be here then let's keep you here yeah Yeah. some people are anxious and they don't want to go home yeah some people live too far from the hospital Mm. fine so you stay yeah Yeah. for me i just feel like i'd like to stay here as long as possible Mm. and like even if she was literally coming out I would still make it to the hospital. But then at the same time, I guess that's not really ideal. It's a bit stressful. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you kind of... Some women are... You know, like a lot of women are the same. They want to... We know that actually if you spend most of your early labour slash labour at home, yeah. you're more likely to avoid any unnecessary interventions. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's obviously something that we do a lot at home. Yeah. So it's kind of something we, we used to hearing from people like oh I went in I was five or yeah. Seven, whatever yeah some people have home births but obviously yeah. they don't allow that here. here yeah um so you've kind of got to find that balance between where you're com- what when you're comfortable yeah. going to the hospital versus yeah and you know you can always come in and if um you're in early labor and yeah. things that we're still waiting for things to pick up a bit you can always go back home. Yeah. yeah. But say if I was like five centimetres, then you would want to keep me. I mean, they would want to yeah. keep you. See, that's why I don't want to happen. Yeah. Really. But it's hard because as soon as I, you... I won't even know. You won't know. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing, you know. Um, I could come in thinking, oh, it's been hours. Like, I'm doing yeah. really well. It's so painful. It's like one centimetre. <laughs> People can be like three centimetres for weeks. Yeah. And have no contractions. No water's breaking. But everyone's like, oh, she's three. And I'm like, that's not going to fall out. Yeah. Like, yeah. you wouldn't know if you didn't go diving for it. You know yeah. what I mean? Just yeah. keep it minimal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good to know, isn't it? <laughs> God, weeks. That's actually crazy. I know. And you can have contractions and stuff before. Yeah, yeah they can be on and off for a, a week, yeah. more than. Um, usually what what I advise is, if you think you're having contractions, have a bath and have two Panadol. Panadol's completely safe in pregnancy. Yeah. If Panadol takes it away, it's not labour. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, you, you know. Yeah. If you can get out the bath after your Panadol and go to bed and not yeah. wake up, yeah. it's, it's not labour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's good to know. That's a good. Yeah, t- someone put how to relieve round ligament pain. Round ligament you pain. Had yeah, you I had- ha- yeah, I had it so badly, just on one side. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my friends in the UK, she's a midwife, and this was like really early on. I would say yeah. maybe bef- potentially even before I was twenty weeks or around mm-hmm. that time, and I felt fine still. My stomach still felt fairly strong. And I was just sitting up in bed like normal. And she was like, you are rolling over on your side when you get up in the night, aren't you? Considering you'll get up like five times a night. And I was like, no, like my stomach muscles are still pretty strong. And like, I don't want them to separate. And she was like, no, that's going to do more damage. You need to roll onto your side. <laughs> and since I'd done that and got like a wedge pregnancy pillow, mm-hmm. it's been a lot better, like yeah. supporting my stomach. 
because I think when I was sleeping on my side, it was all pulling forward and it was just giving me pain. Yeah, it does. But at some points, it was so painful, like halfway, I'd say, once I started to look pregnant, basically. Mm. The, um, yeah, I mean, they're two really good tips. So you get a pregnancy pillow or a wedge pillow, and if you're lying on your left side, say, you put it under the left side of your bump yeah. so that your ligaments aren't pulling. Um, you most people have some sort of round ligament pain and it can be like quite scary like some women say it's like stabbing like a shooting pain and you're like oh my god what is that but just because that ligament has to do so much work to support your growing bump yeah um and yeah rolling onto your side to get up when you're lying down i would also if people are really struggling i'd also go and see a physio okay because there are like exercises that you can do throughout the pregnancy to strengthen all these muscles around it yeah so that you're kind of supporting that entire mm. area mm. yeah um any women's health physio would be good for that yeah would you um, say the second time mums have it less uh not necessarily okay. it just depends on because every baby's different and yeah. every pregnancy's different so it depends on kind of on that as well in a lot of um second third fourth time mums the less time they have for themselves the less time they will put into things like um you know they won't be able to put time into like self-care self care rehabilitation mm-hmm. yeah just setting aside a couple of hours for a physio all that stuff becomes infinitely more difficult the yeah, more children you that's have true. Yeah. yeah it was actually quite painful at some point yeah and we get people coming in to the yeah. triage going like oh my god like there's something wrong yeah i definitely messaged at like 3 a.m once yeah like, and then charlie was like we can just go if you want and i was like this is just so ridiculous <laughs> And it's even more ridiculous that we have your WhatsApp. I mean, yeah. Do <laughs> you know what? It's um, it's good in a way that women have like that twenty-four hour contact. Yeah. Um, especially with the labour ward because your doctor's not going to be re- responding to you. Most likely, you won't yeah. have. Your, yeah. Most people don't have their doctor's personal WhatsApp unless they're that kind of person who shares it. I know yeah. some do, but I know most don't. Yeah. Which you can understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to have that direct line to just a midwife, the amount of times we get like a text at 2am, you know, or a phone call and we're like, just, it's fine. It's, yeah. Just come in, we'll sort it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh. This is actually one that I, a question that I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. My skin's been like really clear, the best it's ever been. I've literally not seen a spot in months. Mm-hmm. And then last week, I had a spot that came up on my cheek, and now I've had like a few others around it and like pimples. Is that a sign that something's happening? Uh, not necessarily. No. Okay. I'm kind of glad about that. I mean, your hormonal like fluctuations and stuff in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, they change obviously throughout each trimester. Yeah. And usually your hair, your skin, your nails, everything like that is like absolutely on point. Yeah. You're like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, you can get a few breakouts. That's just normal pregnancy skin, unfortunately, yeah. but not really linked to anything happening okay. with regards to a baby making an appearance. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> what do you recommend in terms of working out during pregnancy? I am a very big fan of working out in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, I usually advise people to train like they would not pregnant. Just take it down heart rate wise and mm. sort of um, like how strenuous it is. Take it down to about 70 to 80%. Yeah. Depending on what you do normally, what your fitness level is normally, 
you know, kind of specific to your chosen method of fitness. But usually people who train and then stop training, they complain about a lot of aches and pains. Um, A lot of people find that um, weight gain... I mean, it's normal. You're going to gain weight in pregnancy. You have to. That is, you know, it's more worrying if you don't. Yeah. Um, But some people, you know, feel a bit uncomfortable with that side of things. And if you're used to being quite an active person, the worst thing you can do is stop moving. Because mentally as well, that's actually really challenging for a lot of people. Working out in pregnancy is totally safe. Yeah. There's no... um, Despite kind of the, the kind of old wives' tales, there's actually no link to pregnancy loss and, and exercise in yeah. the first trimester yeah. but a lot of women in the first trimester don't feel like working out like, that's what I was going to say they feel yeah. nauseous they're knackered yeah. they're tired like you know once you get into that second trimester most people want to work out again yeah it's good to be doing um, resistance training using weights yeah um, and you're never going to you don't need to be fit for birth like where women were literally built to give birth yeah but um usually training in pregnancy in whatever capacity um enhances your recovery okay postpartum yeah because yeah. you're still mobile those movement patterns are all the same yeah you know we're trying to um keep that like mind muscle connection going mm. and um it is it's got so many benefits so yeah. i would say like if you can get a pre um pre and postnatal specialist okay. like trainer yeah a lot of people who are pts they will just train a pregnant woman but actually there are some things that we need to change yeah, yeah. as your bump grows yeah and if you develop any um unforeseen like circumstances in the pregnancy it doesn't mean you have to stop training it just means that you know somebody you need to know somebody who is able to train around that okay yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's on the whole very beneficial. Say if you're like very, very active, like you're mm-hmm. going to the gym like five times a yep. week, I don't know, you're running or whatever before mm-hmm. you get pregnant, then you get pregnant, you're really, really sick, like you can't do anything, you're barely going for yep. a walk. Can you then, once you get into your second trimester and you're starting to feel better, can you just go back to how you were before or do you need to like... It's hard to go back to how you were before um, and the difficulty is, is that we tend to have like, people who are really active, we tend to have that thing in our head that's like oh I can do more yeah it's not heavy for me it's not too it's not too hard for me it's not too yeah so that's sometimes when it's useful to follow a program or to Mm. find a trainer yeah um but you can always unless your exercise is like a contact sport or horse riding or something you know that is visibly kind of potentially dangerous yeah. for um that you know you can have an impact or a fall yeah then you can usually go back to that method of exercise yeah and just take it down by 30 percent. okay yeah. yeah and it's you know for people that have been exercising a long time or they're really into it they will have a good judge of what that 30 percent is for them yeah yeah you know based on like their heart rate on the, or based on their feel, heart rate yeah, yeah. And you mentioned about contact sports, mm-hmm. things like netball and stuff, even before you've got a bump as such, would you say to avoid that? I mean, <laughs> netball's supposed to be a non-contact sport, but yeah, I know, in, the, I know in this country is. it isn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite savage. Um, uh-huh. I would say if you feel comfortable doing it, I mean, 
it's going to get harder and harder as you get bigger and bigger yeah. because your center of gravity changes yeah. so kind of things like that actually just become more difficult mm-hmm. and a lot of people who um do sport like netball or football running things like that they'll find that they actually start to get that ligament pain okay. from oh, about okay. 20 weeks onwards yeah. and that can impact your pelvic floor so a lot of the time it's better to take a step back and do other method, other ways of fitness yeah versus you know it's it's a temporary it's transient pregnancy yeah it's, it's temporary yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and to s- sort of protect your pelvic floor and your abdomen and everything like that to keep that in the best kind of physical shape that yeah. you can mm. during pregnancy there are other ways yeah Yeah, there are other ways to to train to do that I need to do my pelvic floor exercises I always forget it's hard and nobody like really I mean it's something we should have been taught at school or something like in in like we should have been doing it in reality we should have been doing it for a long time because pelvic floor exercises are like your pelvic floor muscles are small yeah and actually just tightening and relaxing sometimes doesn't help some women because sometimes their pelvic floor is too tight okay so if you if your pelvic floor is too tight and you're contracting and like contracting loads yeah you're actually not going to help the situation yeah so how would you know um usually well pain with sex um okay they have uh like or they're just difficult to have sex um because it's too yeah strong yeah it's too like contracted and tight and they also can have urinary incontinence, not just women with a weak pelvic floor. Oh, okay. Um, so they, even though people think, oh, it's because you've got a weak pelvic floor, yeah. actually it, it can be hypertonic, okay. as it's called, so it's like really contracted. Yeah. Um, but usually, I mean, after ev- anyone who has a baby, mm. I would say the best money you'll ever spend is going to see a women's health physio. Oh, really? Oh, my God, yes. Like, all my clients that I train... yeah. They will. I will only train them if they've gone to see a women's health physio. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, because then you can get a really thorough assessment of what's happening. Yeah. Post birth. Yeah. And then you can have a, a plan that actually complements that. Yeah. Instead of a generic one that might not work. For that might not work for yeah. them, or it might be working the wrong thing and causing a problem. Yeah. Yeah elsewhere yeah that's really good I guess that's something that's not normally covered on insurance it's, it's kind of like your not own not usually I think they do um, some hospitals will cover it on the insurance yeah um, I know King's does I think Mediclinic does you know some of the bigger oh, okay. hospitals I think they do yeah um, and it's now becoming like quite a thing okay yeah uh, women's health physios yeah which is great because yeah. it's always been a need but yeah but we haven't always known about it yeah yeah I actually also have another question. Mm-hmm. Does perineal massage work? Because it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's um, it gives a lot of people the ick. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I said, Shai, don't come in. I don't want you to see me, and you don't want to see this either. And it's hard to do around a bum. Yeah, You're like, how, it is. How do, how do I put my hands? Like, I know some people do get their husbands to help, but that's just not for me. Yeah. Um, it can help. Okay. There is research that backs it, and yeah. there's also a suggestion that maybe it's not as effective as we first thought. Yeah. Um, would I recommend it if you're comfortable doing it? Yes. Yeah. Because it doesn't hurt. Yeah. It's just like why not? Yeah. Exactly. If, it, if it's like another tool, it's gonna. Tool, yeah. yeah. If it, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. So, um, but some people just can't stand to do it. Yeah. And I completely understand that. Yeah. 
I'm surprised I can do it because I can barely bend down to do my like shoelaces or anything yeah. anymore. But yeah, you get yourself yeah. in some weird positions to do it, don't you? You're like, oh, am I there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, "But Charlie's going to see you giving birth," and I was like, "Yeah, I know, but it's just a different yeah. thing. Like, yeah. I'll be in pain there, and I won't really care about anything else apart from getting the baby out. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit different." And he's going to be thinking about the baby coming out, not watching you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's. It's been a bit weird, but I thought I should try. Yeah, it's always good to try. Oh, 100%. I would probably try it. Okay. Because I think if if it worked for me and it reduced my trauma, yeah. I'd be so glad I did it. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the thing. So I was thinking I don't want to be in labour and be like tearing and then be thinking if I tried, it could have helped. Yeah. Tearing's a, like, a really big fear for all women anyway. Yeah, that's but, the thing um, I've been thinking a lot of, most. A lot of trauma comes from when the head is delivered and if you basically that's why midwives and doctors they'll tell you to have to like be pushing 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 when we can see the head we tell you to stop pushing and just give very little pushes and then to breathe yeah and like it's almost like blowing out birthday candles yeah yeah um and what that does is that still with um you can actually contract your pelvic floor just using breath without using like without bearing down like you're having the biggest okay. pain of your life yeah so there's a way to like push that gently delivers baby's head and we actually put counter pressure on yeah and if the slower we do that then the more chance your skin and the to tissues stretch. have to stretch yeah. as opposed to just yeah straight yeah out. being yeah. like a champagne cork yeah so you want to kind of control that nice yeah that birth smooth. of the head nice and smooth nice yeah. and controlled yeah and that does go a long way to um to reduce the trauma. trauma and uh like a warm pad you know okay. like a, yeah i just use one of the massive hospital sanitary pads and yeah. if you have warm water on that and you hold that as a compress yeah because we know that actually it's like when you're in the water right so warm yeah. water tissues will be encouraged to stretch yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah that's good that, I think that's one of the main fears, isn't it? Yeah, birth. it is for me. I don't really feel too worried about birth itself, just because or labour and giving birth, just because, like you say, women are built to give birth. Mm. Um, but it is kind of things like that that I just think, oh, like it makes me clench down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do first-time mums tend to go past their due date? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not often in the UAE. Oh, really? Um, what, purely because they're getting induced? Yeah. <laughs> the induction rate is phenomenally high. Yeah. Um, hard, like, the, the percentage of babies born on their due date is really small. Yeah. yeah. Most people will go over their due date. And, like, there was also... Sometimes there's some discrepancies. So, like, people who are trying for a baby and know what day they ovulated on they've yeah. had the ovulation sticks they've had yeah. the lot yeah. can often be told like a due date based on scan yeah. that's a week earlier yeah. so even though they'd be like well no this is my date by my ovulation, ovulation and my period yeah. so there's some sort of margin for error with scanning for yeah. due dates but that's what we go off right. um, but also a lot of um, there's a lot of induction here because it's not like the National Health Service where um, we have a bit more protection litigation wise yeah 
if I'm being honest. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a bit of a litigation culture and people don't want to have that bad outcome, which yeah. is totally understandable as obviously as practitioners, we never want a bad outcome. Yeah. But also intervening doesn't necessarily guarantee a, a positive birth mm. experience or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but most, most mums will. Yeah. If left alone. Yes. Yeah. It's not um, uncommon. Yeah. And like, just say for instance, here in the UAE, how long after your due date, on average, would you say that doctors allow? It depends on your doctor. Yeah. So all the doctors are very different. They all practice differently. Um, so that's a conversation that you should have with your doctor anyway. That's yeah. probably something you should have Maybe towards the start, especially more. if people are, yeah, especially <laughs> if people are like, oh, but I want, yeah. I don't mind if I go over my due date in my head. I'd like to wait as long as possible. Yeah you know a lot of people would like to do that so yeah. having that conversation with your doctor is really helpful yeah because you get to know like their stance on it um they will like offer induction yeah. if there's any concerns about your baby's growth if you have gestational diabetes there mm. is evidence to suggest from 39 weeks at about 39 weeks we should be offering you induction yeah so there are certain circumstances where actually it's needed yeah and it's offered but um what advice would you give to me then? Because I haven't actually had this conversation with my doctor. So if I did tomorrow yeah. and she says, oh, I don't really like to let people go like past like 40 weeks and two, three days or something. And I'm saying like, no, I want to wait into like the 40 41st week. Mm-hmm. What? Where do we go from there, do you think? If everything's been as it is and everything's yeah, fine. So you need to basically say like okay like for you like what's the concern okay yeah you need to know where she's coming from because that will help you make your decision anyway um and then I would usually suggest that you say okay I'm gonna go in I'm gonna think about it yeah so you don't have to make a decision right there and then but actually what you can then do is um come home like sit with it for a bit and then usually we encourage people to be quite like transparent with the doctor and say I'm not comfortable being induced until I'm 41 weeks yeah. and a lot of the time in sort of um, private healthcare there'll be a bit of back and forth um, and it's often where you reach a compromise that you're both happy with yeah. and you say okay how about I come in for a checkup on this day yeah. and this day and then we continue Go past the four weeks yeah yeah okay and a lot, there's some great doctors in this country and they're yeah. super flexible and they're super like um i guess like respectful of what you want yeah yeah okay i don't know if this might be a bit too technical for you to be answering on a podcast potentially <laughs> 30, I'm 39 weeks, cervix is short but not open. How long till it opens approximately? Hard question, I know. <laughs> if I knew the answer to that, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much like how long's a piece of string. Yeah. yeah. So your cervix um, can be dilated. It can be... Um, so a short cervix, we, we call it like effaced. So yeah. her cervix is beginning to be effaced. Okay. Um, but it can be like that for a really good long while yeah you know it could be another week two weeks um there there's not really your cervix can't really tell you anything and I know like that sounds like a mad thing to say but people do the examinations the vaginal examinations a lot yeah but actually it's not a crystal ball like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily dictate what way your labor's gonna go so 
especially Anton Italy, that that just tells us what your cervix is doing at the time. Yeah. So you know, you may go back in a week and it's exactly the same. And I guess you still need to contract to be able to push. You do, yeah. Like so you said, it doesn't just fall out. Exactly. Yeah. You need yeah. to, you know, if if you started to have regular contractions, then you could, um, then they would and you went back in maybe it would have changed yeah. and that can kind of give you an idea that okay things are starting it's the start of things yeah slowly you're getting there this is early labor yeah um but in the absence of contractions it's just open yeah, yeah. just dilated yeah. or it's just a feast you yeah know? yeah i feel like i don't want to get too um hung up on like the weekly checkups because obviously like at home i wouldn't be seeing the doctor every week and here I don't want to hear things and think, oh, like, okay, maybe, like, labour's coming. Like, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Do you think it's really necessary? Obviously, I will be going as per my doctor's advice, mm. but compared to, like, the UK, is it necessary to be seeing a doctor, like, from 36 weeks every week? No, you, you could just, like, you could just see a midwife. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Um, and I know, like, say the big difference I noticed um, here is that they scan every appointment. Yeah. And people love seeing the baby. Like, I absolutely get that. But we become very reliant on scans. A scan only shows you that window of time yeah. right there and then. Yeah. So actually um, seeing a midwife and having your bump measured and having the midwife feel your bump and, yeah. okay, which way is baby facing? Yeah. Because yeah. if your baby's in, not in the most optimal position, then we can be recommending, all right, go home, get on your ball and do this, this and this. Yeah. Or, you know, um, and instead of like waiting for the next scan, just making sure people are really aware of how their baby moves and what's normal mm. and what's a good pattern. And, yeah. You know, but I, you would see a midwife weekly at home. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessary to see a doctor unless you've got contra- like um, some complex yeah. Yeah. underlying issues. Yeah. In which case, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And you shared something really good the other day on your Instagram saying that you it's not normal for your baby to have reduced movements at this like towards the end no it's just they have less space in there yeah so but basically still moving around yeah it's it is quite like a i don't know again if it's like an old wives tale yeah but like i've heard people medical people say it's fine baby just doesn't ha- like baby it's normal they don't move as they get yeah. towards the due date and i'm like would you stop moving yeah. like if, if, a, if an adult stops moving yeah i'm yeah. like are you all right? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, you'd be a bit concerned. Yeah, yeah. but um, the the movement patterns might the movement might feel different. Like instead of a big like jab with an elbow, it might just feel like a shuffle. Yeah, yeah. like they're rearranging themselves and getting comfy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual volume of movements shouldn't go down towards the end yeah. of your pregnancy. Okay. And if it does, and you can feel women are really good at knowing as well, even if they can't quite tell like verbalize what's wrong women are really good at being like "Mm, i just don't think they've moved the same yeah yeah and we just know yeah yeah because i think it is like it's really intuitive and obviously Mm. you feel that every day so yeah you know when something's off a little bit yeah Yeah. um but yeah they should be moving as as what what is normal for them yeah yeah i feel like sometimes i like rush around all day and i think oh, have I felt her? Mm. But I think just because you've been moving around, you don't necessarily feel everything. Yeah. But then I just, like, lay down for a bit and then she normally starts to move. Yeah. So and it is hard when you're busy. Yeah. Because you, you your mind isn't on, mm. oh, is that a movement? Your mind is like, oh, my God, I need to do this and this and then need to go over there and yeah. do that. And yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's all of our questions yeah. from our listeners. Um, just about, like, hospital, this is more for me and obviously everyone else is in a similar situation or will be in terms of like 
what to pack in my hospital bag. Do as a midwife, how do you feel about birth plans and preferences? Do you think that's good? What sort of information do you want to see on there? Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? Um, I'll start with the hospital bag. Yeah. First. Yeah. Um, have it. I would say a packet for about thirty-four weeks. Okay. Um, and just keep it in the car. Yeah. Um, you don't need to bring a lot to the hospital. <laughs> It's a myth. People turn up with suitcases and I'm like, what yeah. have you brought? Really? If you go on YouTube and you look, especially the Americans, they're taking li- yeah. literally the kitchen sink <laughs> everything. <laughs> they're mad. Like, I'm like, really? you don't need all this. Yeah. Um, the reality is your partner can go home and grab something that you've yeah. forgotten yeah. or something you didn't think you'd need and you need it. Yeah. Um, especially here. Especially here. Like, yeah. you'd, you'll be great. Yeah. You'll be around the corner. You'll be <laughs> fine. Um, I usually say, okay, make sure you've got your documents, make sure you've got all your chargers and everything like that for all your devices because we don't have them. Yeah. And the yeah. amount of people whose iPhone dies and you're like, I, just, I don't have a charger. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't help you. Yeah. Um, food and snacks. Yeah. And then just bring like five baby grows and vests for the baby. Okay. A couple of um, blankets or whatever you're going to use yeah. to cover your baby. Yeah. Um, for you just a couple of pairs of pyjamas or a nightie or something that you feel comfortable in yeah and clothes to wear when you're going home okay yeah what about the big adult nappies so the hospital will provide you with like the sexy disposable pants the little mesh ones yeah and they will also provide you with like big big sanitary pads that are like yeah they feel like a nappy yeah um but if you want like the actual adult pant nappy yeah. things that are disposable yeah. then you, you could bring those with you yeah um i've been like i'm in an rm whether to get like the freedom on ones like the boy short type ones. yeah because i got the massive like ice pack things at the beginning yeah. like for right at the beginning um but i didn't want to go ott because you know what it's like anything baby like late like literally it's just like the biggest money maker they love to just sell oh everything God, it to is you. it's it's an absolute genius yeah. market isn't it yeah. really when you think about it they've just you'll never people will always spend money on their babies yeah always and when they see you coming in like first time mum and dad they're like great yeah, yeah they're like okay yeah. we're gonna clean up here yeah. um take things like um i like your ipad that you can watch like netflix on or you know things like that to keep you entertained yeah. while you're yeah. waiting around you might be waiting around for a bit yeah um and I always say bring something from home, like a blanket or a pillow that's from your, yeah. from your bed. Yeah. Um, you don't need to bring much else. People bring prams. They bring they bring all sorts. But yeah. just keep it simple. You just need the car seat, don't you? Just the car seat. Yeah. And you don't even have to bring that when you come in. Like, your yeah. partner can always nip home Go and down. get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, most hospitals require you to have a car seat so they can see you putting the baby in the car seat yeah. and make sure that you actually have one because... yeah. Far too many people have babies and kids yeah. not strapped in. Oh my well, so many stuff. kids here don't wear their seatbelts. No, it's, it's, it's really terrifying. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So we like to see that. Yeah. Um, we've no idea how to put it in your car, so don't ask. But <laughs> we know how to put the baby in the seat. Yeah. That's yeah. About it. yeah. yeah. The, the other day I was you. saying we need to get the car seat in the base in the car, and Charlie was like, "We've got loads of time. Like, there's no rush." And I was like, "No, but you don't know when she's going to come. Yeah. We don't want to be doing that." And so I ended up managing to get him to do it, and it was an absolute nightmare. And it was beeping <laughs> us because the safety thing, like the leg wasn't down on the Isofix, 
and I was like, this beeping is driving me insane. I was like, imagine doing this, and I was in labour, and he was trying to do it all by himself. Yeah, you don't need that stress. No, so that's in the car now, and I'm like, kind of packed my hospital bag, mm. but wasn't sure exactly what to pack. I've kind of created a list, because some stuff I can't put in there now, because I'm using it every day, yeah. and then yeah. I'll chuck it in. Um, but Charlie was like, what do I need to pack? bag for and I was like well you're gonna need a few things like he yeah. can come back here easily he can but. but it's always good for them to have a change of clothes and then their toiletries yeah and, yeah yeah nothing worse than a smelly, like, smelly. Yeah. yeah imagine oh get away no <laughs> great yeah. they can use the showers yeah. too smelly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and then to do with birth plans I'm a fan of a birth plan okay. you can't plan birth per se yeah but it's like your preferences it's like okay all going the way we want it to go I would like it to look something like this yeah um, I think it's really important for you to write down those preferences and usually um, most of the things that people put on birth plans it's like you know I don't want too many people in the room I want delayed cord clamping mm. I want skin to skin immediately these are things that actually they should be standard yeah. midwifery like maternity care anyway. would you say they are standard here they are standard in some places okay um, I would still be quite vocal about my preferences um, here just it never hurts to remind people yeah. that you have a certain preference and that's the yeah. way you want it um, because it is your experience it's not ours yeah you know it's we're just there to sort of facilitate birth we don't do any of the hard work really we don't you know it's your experience so it's really important that you are kind of in control of that yeah however that looks and um just certain things like um your like birth, your environment of your way your labor room for example yeah. um i don't know if it's on the birth plans um that many people get but i always specify like keep it quite dimly lit yeah you want it really relaxed you want it quiet you don't want people in and out no. knocking before you go knocking and waiting for a response yeah okay is like my single biggest yeah pain in the ass <laughs> people just knock and walk in and I'm yeah. like excuse me yeah <laughs> something happening in here but that things like um too much bright light too much noise too much too many people too many interruptions yeah can really interrupt your flow of oxytocin yeah so you have to like be really vocal about like your space and protect it okay and that birth plan is a really good way to do that yeah and say you know something changes along the labor and you need to have some sort of intervention then you need to have preferences for that yeah so in case it doesn't go in case it doesn't go to whatever your plan is so even if it's something like okay we need to give you a drip to um increase your contractions yeah then in your birth plan you'd be like if this is needed we need to explain what will happen you know like the yeah. brain what yeah. will happen if I yeah. do it if I don't do it if I wait yeah um and um I would also recommend people have a bit of a postnatal plan like a post birth plan okay um and it's not very I don't think they're very common but um just things like okay when I get home do I have everything set up so that I don't have to go upstairs to the nursery? Do I have a little like area downstairs or a little okay. caddy with nappies and yeah. and wipes and creams and everything like that in? Yeah. 
set yourself up an area in the house. Usually downstairs is easier. Um, that you can just spend like six hours there if you need to. Yeah. You know, because it's quite overwhelming. I haven't thought about that, yeah. Yeah. And I haven't even thought about like if I was to have to have a C-section, mm-hmm. like I probably should think about that. You can always, um, the, you know, things, C-sections if needed fine but you can still have really nice c-section experiences yeah um like it doesn't mean it will be a negative birth experience yeah some people have really positive ones but then the postpartum would you say that was postpartum i just again recommend like you know a lot of people will be in they keep you in for about three days yeah um so a lot of people will spend a lot of time on the sofa maybe upstairs in their beds but setting up that kind of area before you go to the hospital or like at least having it easily ready ready so yeah. that your partner can set it up just to kind of minimize too much like bending stretching reaching yeah. getting up getting down yeah um really just like optimizing the space around you yeah um it's really good to to be active and mobile after birth within your limits but okay. also you don't want to make your life harder than it needs to be yeah yeah um and things like okay what we're going to eat so whether that's just like prepping lasagna or a chili and just putting it in the free like the freezer or the fridge yeah, yeah. so that you have something quick to go to because it's the first thing that goes out the window yeah is your meals you start having like a little snack here a little snack there because yeah. baby's taking all your yeah. time but actually um it doesn't necessarily help your recovery yeah because you need the you need the food fuel. you need the fuel yeah yeah, yeah so a postnatal plan is always a good idea yeah, I hadn't thought about that at all. Mm. Nice, good to know that. Yeah, it is. Cover all bases. I feel like this is perfect timing for me to do it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. just over 36 weeks. <laughs> um, anything that we should do to prepare for a baby, other than like the obvious of like buying some like clothes for the baby, washing them, car seat and that sort of thing. Anything out of like the norm that you would say? Um... I think there's never a problem with people having um, with buying things for the baby. Everyone's always got everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's never a problem. I think it's more um, when your baby's here, you can't really ever properly prepare for that because I don't think anything prepares you for that kind of transition. Yeah, and that moment. Yeah, and especially sort of the first three days, they're mm. so overwhelming and intense and amazing. But also, I would just say like don't. Um, don't have too many expectations of yourself okay. to do things yeah. in a certain way because yeah. when when she's here, you'll be getting to know her yeah. and kind of getting to know yourself as parents. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, but she, need, you know, she needs to feed at this time and then sleep and then do this and do that. And like, they don't, they come out and they just know you. Yeah. And they need cuddles and fed and changed and winded and that's yeah. pretty much it right they they're not they're not required to do anything else yeah um and neither are you you yeah. just need to provide those basic things yeah. and i think as long as you don't get too caught up in how you should be looking after it or parenting yeah, yeah. um you'll be fine okay it's just take it as just it comes take it as it comes yeah. yeah don't don't like set the bar for yourself yeah cuz i see some women like 
they're at brunch the next week like with their baby and I think I'm gonna just be on the sofa <laughs> having everyone, everyone come, come to me, me. Yeah. yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah I'll be round <laughs> like are you ready yeah <laughs> yeah I mean everyone kind of deals with it in their own way yeah um but you have to remember as well like you won't get this time back yeah mm. she's only going to be brand new yeah and like like for a really small, small amount of time, time they grow so quickly yeah. so like it's um it's also quite important to like protect that little bubble that you've yeah. got so you don't want um like 20 of your friends popping over the yeah. day you get home yeah. You know? yeah so you can be like okay like if someone wants to visit asking yeah. them to just give you a text first and you can tell them when you yeah. feel it's good yeah. to kind of keep that like nice little bubble yeah, yeah of like newness yeah yeah do you know obviously because of like expats that you don't really have family around mm-hmm. most of the time and so like my mum and sister are coming out and then yeah. my dad will come once she's here and at the beginning I was like oh like it's fine for them to stay here to have everyone here and obviously I want my mum and my sister here um for when she's born and I kind of feel like I owe it to my mum anyway mm-hmm she's raised us and like I don't know it's just nice yeah I would hope that when that's it's my daughter's turn to have a baby like that I'm there as well but then even she said to me oh you've never done this before like you might want a bit of your own space and like now they've rented an Airbnb yeah and like it's literally in Dubai Hills and she'll stay some nights and won't stay other nights and at the beginning I felt really bad about it but now I feel like actually it's fine because at home as much as you have people around all the time they do tend to go home yeah that night yeah and they come back the next day and we still need to learn how to be parents and be parents together and be alive like your mum's right with that yeah she's like you know if you really if you're having a rough night and you're just like mom just come yeah she can stay over yeah. right but for the most part like you're having you're going to be able to figure out how to parent together yeah but you're going to have the support of her knowing she's there there yeah which is really great yeah which i'm sure i'll definitely need as well so we all need our mom sometimes yeah <laughs> and i'm excited to see her be a nan and like my yeah, sister that's super cute and my dad but it's it's just crazy to get your head around like and when you don't obviously you've, I've never been through it but even if it was like my second baby or third baby it's always so different mm. and it's just weird to think that I'm going to have someone else to think about and to yeah. look after yeah. and what's <laughs> going to happen but and now the final countdown's on yeah that's but it hopefully I'll be fine yeah. <laughs> you'll be fine I'll report will. back <laughs> Well, thanks so much for coming yeah, on. Thanks for so having much. me. And um, I'll just give you a little shout out from your Instagram. Yeah, the Fit Midwife. Yeah, the Fit Midwife. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been my really pleasure. informative. Yeah. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this, like getting tips for future or for now. Yeah. And it is part of your 20s. It wasn't it for us. It is. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't for us a year ago, but look how things have changed. <laughs> your 20s changed so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a roller coaster. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.